Boom. Howdy, howdy. Select broadcast and start streaming live. Alrighty. Howdy, howdy to you as well, my brother. How was work this morning? Did you have to get there extra early? Um, <laughs> I was going to, but then I didn't. So I, um, I went in at about eight and then I uh, left at about noon to go help mom and dad move. So oh, gotcha. I just, just got home from that. How's it going? Good. They're, uh, they gotta be out by five. They're almost done. So. Okay. That's nice of them to be understanding. Understanding about what? You leaving. Come do the pod. Yeah, well, I've been helping them last week and Saturday morning, and I helped stayed last night pretty late, so. Nice. I wish I was there. Dad offered to have me come out and help, but I just have too many other things that I need to work on and do. Sure. I've got um I've got my property management company pretty much lined up. I gotta go make some keys. Um I think property girls... management company after what you just sent me. <laughs> yeah, well I'm living two two and a half hours plus away, so <laughs> um and I don't have the cash to uh automate everything. <laughs> um yeah. but Anyway, so yeah, I had to get, I've got that rolling. I'm trying to get all the bits and pieces in, in order. So, and nice. trying to maintain as much sanity as possible. So what are you smoking tonight or it's afternoon? <laughs> it's from last month and it is the Mac and it's really good. Nice. I just got that one. I wonder if I'm a month behind somehow. That happens to me every once in a while. It's happened to me before I somehow slip behind well it's actually no it is from this month i think it's from this month actually i forgot that yeah this this month being june yet. i guess yeah yeah i keep thinking it's july as well <laughs> i i heard all of those were super super delicious so yeah there was something in the box about a new website membership website Social Cigar Club or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's Cigar Social. Um, and um, yeah, it's basically a website that they're moving everybody to rather than using the Facebook group to manage everything because all the Facebook stuff is getting, um, you know, like different posts and accounts and stuff are getting shut down because it's cigar related or tobacco related. And everybody's YouTubes have been getting shut down and delayed and stuff like that which i think we talked about um a few weeks ago but anyway so yeah they're trying to kind of stand up an independent thing so that defender when a third party shuts it down they've got a kind of a a reserve gotcha makes sense yeah but anyway anyways well um so tonight is your first uh frisbee game right or supposedly yeah, first first game in the league. Did you sign up with anybody or? Um, yeah, I signed it... up with Tyler, and uh, there are three other guys from our group that will be on the team as well. So, 
Nice. Is it a pretty competitive league or? I have no idea because I've never done this before. I think it varies. Some teams are competitive. Some are just there to chill. Our team will definitely, well, I know at least the people that I'm going with and know will be competitive, but there's 19 people on our team. So I am a little bit concerned about how much play time everyone's going to get. How many per side is it? It's sevens. So now, and there's six teams. And I'm thinking that they have that many people per team because they are used to people not showing up and not coming. So they counteract that by having too many people sign up. But gotcha. if I show, if I, if I'm, I'm just going to go to a few games and if it turns out that I'm getting to play one or two points every time I come, because there's so many people on the field, then I'm just not going to play the rest of the season. Cause there's no point wasting two hours of my evening. If I'm not going to play a solid. Yeah. Five minutes to an hour. That's, that's what I do. All right. I got to figure out something. Why are we not live? We started, we're connected. Edit. Oh, yeah, visibility public. Is really good. Click. Done. Save. Changes save. Let's see if that made us go live here. Boom. All right. Now we're live. Dang it. Well, we've been talking a little bit. You guys can catch up on uh, YouTube video or Spotify once it gets back up there. Making sure we got audio. I forgot to switch it off. Oh, I thought I did. I must not saved it. The unlisted thing. Can you say something real quick? How's my audio? Yeah, perfect. All right, good. Um, all right. So uh, that's that's really good, huh? The 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 um, yes, the Mac. the Mac. Nice, nice. I'm doing this new one. It's like a, I thought it was a five pack of smaller cigars, but it's a five pack of normal size cigars or normal Toro ish. Um, mm -hmm. It's called, it's made, it's Buffalo 10, and this is the Maduro. So Dominican nice. Republic, et cetera. It's pretty good. I haven't Wait. had them before. I got them as part of a trying to test out different, cheaper options. <laughs> yeah. So 19 people, that seems like a ton. Yeah. It's um, an absurd amount of people for, is it just like one team? They just don't have access to big enough fields to have more than a couple people or teams play at a time, or what's the deal? Like I said, I don't know. Um, they have six teams. It's 110 people, I think. <laughs> Maybe so it's just because so many people flake or are gone this weekend or that weekend or things like that's that. What, that's what I'm assuming uh, because that seems to be the only logical reason. I also – I have played a little bit around here and there and with other groups, not a lot, so – Technically, my evidence is anecdotal, but it does seem that yeah. a lot of people are used to subbing like way too much. Yeah, whereas, I know. People love subbing. Our group and I is like, hate no, subbing. Let's play four hours straight. <laughs> yeah. We don't want subs. So that's the other thing. Maybe just everyone in the league wants to just sub every single point or multiple points at a time. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. I've but never yeah, understood that. I've always hated it. <laughs> yeah. I hope it's not like that because that would suck, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have you perused any interesting content or done anything interesting over the last week or so? Uh, didn't really peruse any interesting content. Uh, had Dallas over the night before we went to Thayer Software on Sunday. We watched Mad Max Fury Road. 
Was that um, your first time? No, I've seen it multiple times. That was his first time. Got it. Um, so that was fun. Nice. Nice. And then, yeah, well, go ahead. I was just going to say, I watched Addie Count's reaction to Lord of the Rings, and then I started her Forrest Gump one today. So. I'm saving that one for last. I'm catching up on all the other ones that, oh, okay. that I care. I'll, I'll skip a couple of them that I don't care about, but most of them I, I'll enjoy, yeah, or I'll at least go to the nice. part where I know there's good stuff to <laughs> where the good reaction parts are, and then I'll skip the rest of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wonder what she does for work because I found um, she did, you know, I always like, I'm always researching people because I'm curious what they're you know, what else is out there about them. And so I was looking her up and she was like a stage manager at something and she might still be, she's listed as a staff manager as like a stage manager or a staff member as a stage manager at some sort of production. I think um, kind of like, I don't know if they do ballet or whatever, but something along those lines um, event stuff. And, but I thought it was kind of interesting because part of the reason that I looked her up is I thought she might be an actress or a singer because when she reacted a few times or, you know, had some sort of uh, reaction, she would sing a note or two or like she would hit a clear note. And so I was, I, you know, usually that's a singer of some sort that's reacting that way. So it made me curious and I, I didn't see anything about her being a singer, but, um, but she is in, you know, in that realm to a certain extent, she's a stage manager and stuff. So. Anyway, it was yeah. awesome that she wanted to get the books right after watching them. I know I, I commented on the third on the, the last video of the reaction. Please do a video of your reaction to the books, because I've always wanted to see, you know, people's reactions. I found one a long time ago, um, but like people's reactions, they watch the movies for the first time. You know, they think it's great, et cetera. And then they go read the books. I want to know what you thought, you know, because I know what I thought. And I but I also read the books first. Uh, so multiple, you know, at least once. And obviously I've read them a hundred times now. So anyway, it, it, I, I, I hope we get more information, but who knows? She doesn't seem particularly active after she posts something. Um, so, cause she only will like one or two comments uh, per video, at least that I've seen so far. So anyway, well, you we'll can see. reach out to her and we'll interview her about the books. Yeah. I need to get her on the podcast. That's what I should do. Just say, Hey, I'm interviewing reactors on my podcast. And, uh, like, all right, the real reason you're here is I want to talk about the books. <laughs> yeah. I haven't done too much this past week because, well, I've just been caught up. Well, two things. So one is I've been caught up with trying to get job applications out. And that's taken up. That always takes up a lot of time because you have to spend so much time looking for them. Then you spend so much time figuring out which ones are the good ones and the bad ones. And then you figure out how to apply to the good ones. And then you do the application to the good ones. So it's a whole process. And then I've been doing a lot of networking, which is going through my Slack groups and interacting with people, going through Twitter, interacting with people, all that sort of stuff to kind of continue to generate uh, action of some sort. And yeah. so, um, so I, I haven't, I didn't do too much last week. Plus it was, the weather was kind of gnarly, uh, well, not gnarly, not horrible, but, kind of out of it last week but then um you know hawking came up with a friend of his and they're doing a phc camp this week and so they were with me friday night or afternoon through sunday afternoon and so saturday we grabbed bean and they stayed up super late 
and they kept they waking me game. up because they were talking while they were gaming or whatever they were doing. And so finally, I sent Hawk in a text. And I was like, go to bed. You need to reset your clock <laughs> for jet lag. Um, and I don't know when he saw it. I saw that he sent me two replies, but then he deleted them. So I don't know what he said. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then the next morning, they slept in to like 11 or 12 or something <laughs> like that crazy. Which is like on the one hand, right? They're they're from you know they're on the Pacific coast, so there's a three hour difference. But still, I was like, come on, guys. Uh, but I made food, whatever. And then we um, we grabbed Bean, Aaron's dog, and we went out to the the river. And the water was so warm, and the water was so low. Like I could stand most of the way across. Probably I went out probably a good third plus. And um, but then it was and it was so warm. And so they swam across the up and down, they hiked up in here. And I mostly, after I got in the water a little bit, I hung out with Bean because I needed to keep an eye on her because there were a bunch of other people there. Um, or not a bunch, but a number of other people there. And then I basically, I smoked my cigar and looked at job applications while they were having fun running around and swimming, but it was nice to get outside. Um, nice. But yeah. Good. And then Sunday I dropped him off and I got to hang out with a friend of mine and, uh, and his wife and they have a, it's the first little dog that I've ever been kind of, I could totally, I would be okay with having a little dog that was this dog and it's called a Cavalier, I guess. And Cavalier. it's a really pretty dog and super, super cute. It's only like six or eight weeks old or something. So it's pretty, pretty young. It's still a puppy, obviously, but super cute. And the first dog I was, you know, first little dog that I, you know, went, oh, you doesn't, you don't look like a little rat. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, got to nice. pet it and hang out with it. She loved my beard or my facial hair. She was like licking it and like trying to figure <laughs> out what it was. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, I had a nice weekend and then we didn't get to game last night because you all had stuff going on. Jeremy's got dad in town and stuff. So that's what I, but thank, you know, I found the Addy reacts, so it all worked out. <laughs> yeah. All, all good things um, come to those who don't game every once in a while, apparently. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, but I did go through, I had a whole bunch of notes and stuff from this week, past week of stuff I read, watched, et cetera. Um, did you have anything that you wanted to chat about or anything? We can go back and forth. I just wanted to. Make sure I left some room. Well, I had what I sent you. I don't know if you want to go over that or we can save that for another, another time. Let's start with what you, you want to stew on that. it. We can dive in or not. You want to start with my stuff? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So this thing I actually sent to you. And uh, well, no, we talked about it after the pod last week when we were just wrapping up after we uh, stopped recording. But then I was thinking about it and I thought, oh, that's totally something I should bring up. So we were talking about the movie John Wick and there's a scene in it where a character, if you haven't seen it, generally would recommend it, though mindful there's a lot. It is R-rated for a couple of different reasons. Um, But... um, in order not to spoil it, there's one character in there and he's describing John Wick, who's the main character, obviously. And the, the phrase or the line is John Wick is a man of focus, commitment, and sheer will. And it's such a strong 
way to describe someone and the, the scene where they're describing it is pretty epic um, and, and well filmed. But I was thinking about that relative to um, and even trying to take that on myself is like, you know, I have all these projects that I should work on elements of all of which I don't want to work on. Um, I don't want to be in the position that I'm in right now. I don't want to be having to make the decisions that I'm making right now, et cetera. But um, if, you know, there's a reason that John Wick is as epic as he is, and that's because he is a man of focus, commitment, and sure will. And I was just thinking about that and, and wondering, not wondering, but saying I need to apply some of those uh, elements to what I'm doing because, you know, I have to have commitment to where I think I want to go, where I think the Lord wants me to be. And then I have to be focused on things that are going to get me there or at least keep me alive in the meantime or going in the meantime. And then it's going to take some sure willpower to do the things that I don't want to do. Um, yeah. And so anyway, that was just one little thing that stood out to me that we didn't talk about last week other than, you know, off the pod. But I think there's a lot of verbiage out there in the, in the world that kind of has this whole do what you love and, you know, you'll, you'll be successful. And you know, you, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And, you know, Oh, if you don't like doing something, then you shouldn't do it. And, you know, find happiness and like all this kind of really positive stuff, which is true to a certain extent. You don't want to go be miserable, but at the same time in the real world, there are elements of action that are going to be required throughout your life that, um, that is, that is, that are comprised of things you don't want to do. And so you have to have the willpower to push through that. You have to have the commitment to push through that and you have to have the focus to get it done. Uh, cause it won't happen. Otherwise there's no, there's no such thing as a, as a true hippy dippy lifestyle other you than if things you're, you don't love in order to, <clears throat> in order to do the things that you do love. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. To a certain extent. Absolutely. And I think there's a, you can kind of turn that on on its head a little bit and start telling yourself like, no, actually I want to do these things because they're the things that are going to get me to where I want to be, as opposed to just like having a super negative, I don't want to do this. I'm just doing it. Okay, fine. Blah, blah, blah. You can turn it on its head a little bit, which is kind of a similar, one of the ways that uh, stupendous athletes and high, perform- high performers in intense environments like sports do well is they, they will take that sense of anxiety before a match or before a, you know, a game or whatever it is, and they turn it on itself and they tell themselves and they, um, well, they tell themselves, this is, uh, that's not me being scared or anxious. That's me being excited. And it becomes that energy before the game instead of being excitement or instead of being anxiety is to them, uh, positive energy, excited energy. I'm excited to go do this thing. And it helps them focus what they're doing. And I think you can kind of do that maybe on the negative side of things where it's, you know, you have an, uh, a bad attitude about what you don't want to do. And you can tell yourself, well, actually I do want to do this thing because I want to get to X, Y, and Z. So anyway, that was one thing I was thinking about. Um, now, so this other thing I came across was on, uh, on Twitter and I think it was Twitter. It might've been Facebook, whatever. Basically the, so the setup is 
apparently there was a co-ed hockey game and it, you know who knows the story could be totally made up right in whatever mm-hmm. reviews and clicks um but i still think it's an interesting um circumstance so or situation so basically there there was a, a co-ed uh, hockey game of some sort one of the opposing male uh players called the female te- teammate of the you know the opposing team uh like a uh, i don't know should we swear on here should we i mean if you're quoting someone i don't see why it's a problem yeah i don't i don't think it matters but i guess people are probably heard way worse than <laughs> than what i share but um basically he called her a fucking whore that was the phrase supposedly yeah. right um which i mean i can totally see and the male teammate of the girl threw down, went after and punched this dude in the face, took him out. Um, and nice. yeah, and all the comments were flipping out on both sides of the issue because there was one side, which is like, no, you know, I can't believe the boy had to defend the girl. Girls collect after look after themselves. And then a bunch of other people basically saying, hey, this is hockey. That's what happens in hockey. He did great. You would defend your teammate no matter if it's boy, girl, whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the I mean, obviously, the ones that stood out to me and then there were the obvious ones of like, no wonder there's violence in this country and whatever. else. Because <laughs> of hockey, it all stems from hockey games. Yeah, it's like we're glorifying what this boy did and violence is never the answer or whatever. And. Bill Burr actually has this great bit. It's not even a bit. It's uh, he's, I think it's from a, when he's on a talk show um, or no, it is, it is part of a bit. And he basically says, you know, Hey, sometimes you got to get punched in the face because um, at no point driving home after having gotten punched in the face, did I, or at some point on the drive home after having gotten punched in the face, I always had the realization, you know, kind of was being a little bit of an asshole back there, right? That's the quote. And so I think the so I think there's two two pieces to this situation. One is violence the answer. And I my thought about that is, you know, I haven't been in really any serious physical altercations other than one time when I was working security uh, and then when I was younger once I don't know, for one guy in particular was a troublemaker in our little community. Um, and I think I was probably 10, something like that, 10 or 11. And uh, he didn't, he would go through phases. He, he basically just didn't like people. Um, and sometimes like we'd get along and other times not so much. Um, and, and he was, he was a bad kid, but uh, but he got like three or four other boys and we were playing a like, hide and seek in the dark at night. And he got them to trip me when I came around the corner and they jumped on me, all four of them or however many. And so other than those two circumstances, I've never been any real, you know, fisticuffs. Well, I, I mean, there's another one where I actually was wrestling him. <laughs> um, so three. <laughs> um, but other than that, I, 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 you know, this is coming from a perspective more so than, a, you know, maybe a... Um, you know, well, then obviously a ton of experience. Um, and so we said you came out on top. <laughs> yes. Um, though. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
we can we can tell those stories if people want to hear i suppose um they're good stories <laughs> um but anyway so one is i don't think i don't personally have a problem with a little bit of violence i think it's okay i think it's fine uh, i think that there's a difference between uh you know what meekness right which is strength under control and taking that and saying no to a bully saying no to someone who's you know which i would kind of put calling it you know a female teammate you know that yeah. verbiage in the category of being a bully that's that's outside the bounds i would say and that kid's not going to respect you saying hey that doesn't count right if he's got the tendency of a bully he's going to ignore that so sometimes you need a little bump on the nose and i don't personally have a problem with that um and then the second piece of it is and or uh, is the to the situation is all the people saying, well, boy, you know, boys don't need to defend the girl, blah, blah, blah. The girls can handle themselves. If she's playing hockey, then she can handle herself. And one, I appreciated the comments that were responding and saying, well, you know, hey, it doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl. That's irrelevant to the situation. If someone's tweaking on your teammate, you go after them. That's part of the, you know, part of the community, especially in hockey or whatever. Yeah. And so I, I, I think that that's a relevant perspective. And then two is, even if you assume this girl can hold her own to a certain extent, like you have no clue, you know, what is she supposed to do? She's not going to go punch this boy in the face, most likely, I, I, I would assume, unless she's, you know, way bigger than him or something. But on average, right, men have 300%, not as, you know, I don't know the exact age of the kids. So obviously this, you know, once you reach maturity um, around, you know, whatever it is, 18, 20 or something. The average male has 300% uh, stronger upper body uh, muscles and, and, and capacity than your average female. And so obviously she's not necessarily an average female who's playing hockey, but at the same time, it's likely it's not like he's an average boy necessarily playing hockey. And it's definitely not a, you know, 100, 200% difference. <laughs> um, right. So, um, so yeah, I think it's the kind of thing where I didn't have a problem with the situation and or it's general as it was presented again it was you know, a three-line tweet or whatever um and then second with the uh, you know next to that is i don't you know i think that it's okay to uh to have and uh, we'll say violence you know which kind of i feel like is a little bit extreme <laughs> um but violence as a tool in your um in your arsenal I don't know if you have any off the cuff thoughts, but that was something that jumped out at me as I was perusing, doing my regular perusal. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said. I don't know if I have anything major to add, but I think that, well, let me put it this way. So, I mean, one of the questions that I sent you was maybe we can tie this in and maybe not. Maybe they're unrelated. You can tell me, but, you know, what is it? look like to be good at being a man not just not just you know what does it take to be a man but what is it like to be good at being a man and then relate that to your other john wick analysis right force of will commitment those are attributes of that you need to exercise in order to be good at being a man i think and I mean, I think we both believe in chivalry, right? So 
it's not denying the capability of that girl's ability to hold her own or whatever, mm-hmm. but rather the her, you know, her male teammates' responsibility as a young man or whatever to be chivalrous and stand up for the truth. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes to do that, you do have to, you do have to have the physical capability of violence, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And to a certain extent, you know, I mentioned that there's only been three times where I was in some form of physical confrontation in my life of more serious nature. And to a certain extent, I actually credit that to the fact that, you know, I've, I've always been a little growing up. I was generally in the larger or bigger than most of the other kids. Um, now I would say I'm, you know, I guess I'm bigger than average, but I'm not huge or anything. Um, but I also always had kind of that mentality of being okay with, you know, or I always had that spirit of being okay with confrontation or being okay with it if it happened. And so I never went looking for it, never was a thing, but I'm sure that on a spiritual level, other people, other boys, whatever it was probably sensed that, you know, conflict with me at, you know, if it escalates to a certain level is a one-way street. That's kind of my perspective on it. And I think that's the perspective you have to have if you're ever going to win. You can't just be out there hoping you're, you're, you know, I hope this works out. If that's your mentality, you've lost. Um, and so I've, I've, oh, I've thought about that before. And I think one of the reasons I've had so little overall physical confrontation is because I, I fall into that category and people, I have the mentality um, where it's, you know, it would be, you'd have to be pretty committed to bullying me, um, to get away with it or doing something, you know, that would require a response. Um, so anyway, I, I feel like that ties in too. Whereas if violent, I'm not saying you, you know, you have to choose violence. I'm not saying the boy in the case, in this, you know, the situation had to choose violence. Right. Um, but if you're not prepared and don't have the capacity for it, then you're at a disadvantage because you don't have the ability to hit that level, which they may or may not be able and willing to hit. And so if you don't have that, you know, if you're not able to continue playing a higher card, then at some point you're going to get, you know, you're going to get a trump card played on you. Well, it's not just you're at a disadvantage, but innocent people around you are going to get hurt people that might be weaker than you yeah so if i'm you know i need to be able to take care of my sister right so Mm -hmm. but how am i going to do that if we're walking down the street and something happens or whatever obviously just an example off the top of my head you know i right yeah totally then the consequence of me not being prepared or me maybe having some sort of moral objection to that is an innocent person getting hurt or damaged whereas i could otherwise prevent that from happening yeah yeah there's kind of another side of that that i think about often (laughs) which is i think there are actually you know within society right there's this complaint that you know boys are 
you know, or there's this, there, there can be this complaint that boys are assholes or boys are, you know, mean to women or abuse women, like, oh, this whole, the whole cadre of things, whether it's, you know, horrible abuse, like a, you know, Jeffrey Epstein or something, right. Which is on the far end of the spectrum or just like basic right. stuff. Um, and to a certain extent, I actually think part of the reason that that is prevalent is, well, one, of course, the bad stories are always the ones or 99% of the time, the ones that get the, you know, get the interactions. Um, but two is I can name multiple examples in, you know, from, uh, uh, from uh, situations in my past or whatever, where later I found out or was told or the rumor got to me or whatever it was that, oh, so-and-so and so-and-so had issues, right? And my perspective on that situation was pretty one-dimensional about how it was going down. But I had no clue that supposedly this guy was being abusive to that gal, that girl or whatever it was, right? And when it comes down to it, I, I've heard this this sort of thing many, many times. And it bugs the soup out of me because as someone who, you know, hopefully I don't think I've ever done anything to be, you know, abusive or anything horrible like that. Um, and that's certainly the opposite end of what I always have striven for. And so if I don't know what's going on, then I can't help. Right. And that sometimes maybe I'm tuned in and I could like maybe spot something across the room, but you can't sit there and blame me for not knowing that this was going on in your life. Right. Which is, you know, I'm not saying that happens. I'm just saying that's how I feel. It bugs me that I can't help because I don't know. And right. again, there's been multiple situations where after the fact, Oh, it turns out he was abused or he did this. I'm like, if I had known, or, you know, if it had been something that, you know, had been a part of my life, you, you think I wouldn't have said something or done something, not necessarily physical, but, at least yeah. verbal to say, yeah, this doesn't get to happen anymore. You're done. Right. And if I do hear it happens, then there'll be some form of, you know, escalation, even if it's, you know, an, it dealt with the authorities, not by me. Right. But I can't help if a, I'm not prepared and B, I don't know. Um, so there's kind of a balance there, but anyway, that's just something that always, always has bugged me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Let's see here what else i got came across oh okay well so this is not related but i was thinking about this uh well i guess i can't remember why i was thinking about this i can't remember why i was thinking about this but it actually directly relates because the next thing i had on my notes which i didn't realize is the question how does a dangerous man think and of course the assumption within that uh, of the definition of dangerous is not someone who's just, you know, a Jordan the, Peterson uh, dangerous. Is that what you're talking about? I mean, like he does talk he... about it quite a bit. Yeah. I was going to bring that up as a resource. If people want to tap into this more and, uh, and whatnot, Jordan Peterson has a number of clips and commentaries and whatnot about this subject actually. Um, and I find them good. I don't know that they're revolutionary. Um, and they're in line with, you know, my perspective, what my perspective has been since childhood, basically. But, um, but it's a good spot if you want to glean some extra, uh, extra noise on the subject. Um, but again, I can't remember why I was asking myself that question. But uh, within the definition of dangerous is, again, not someone who is 
um, you know, is a servant of evil or something along those lines, but someone who has the capacity for executing on what needs to happen and is not going to be broken by their circumstances. It's not going to be torn down by what's happening. Or even if they do take a few, you know, proverbial or real <laughs> punches uh, to the chin aren't going down. And so I was curious, like how you would answer that question. How does a, a good <laughs> dangerous man think? And the emphasis on the, on the thoughts being on the dangerous man thinking not, you know, we've established the good part baseline. Sure. Well, I think that part of being good at being a man requires that you are dangerous. I'd start there. And then what does it mean to be dangerous? Or how does a dangerous man think? Uh, I think one of the most important things is being meek. Because you're not dangerous if you're... Uh, if You're not dangerous unless you have immense and creative self-control um and so i think i think meekness that plays a huge part in being dangerous so, you know uh a cool analogy that one that dad talks about relative to being meek is most people hear the word meek they don't actually know what it means it has nothing to do with being mouse-like or fragile in any way a war horse is meek uh there's actually there's a cool analogy between the two right you don't hear warhorse and think meekness right but a warhorse listens to every little every little nudge commandment from its rider and it has immense power and strength but it's under control and underneath that control it can do serious damage in an actual war right but it's but it's always paying attention to what its writers' commandments and needs are. Um, so that's definitely something that I would apply to being dangerous. The first thing that comes to mind. Gotcha. Okay. First thing that comes to my mind is someone, a, a dangerous man, and how, how does a dangerous man think? A dangerous man is someone who knows that they're going to survive. And what I mean by that is if you take away a man's ability to, um, to drive his car, right? Dangerous man is going to figure out how to take the bus. Dangerous man is going to figure out how to walk. A dangerous man is going to figure out how to crawl, right? That is a dangerous man's mentality. That's how he thinks. A dangerous man, if you take away his food or his water, a dangerous man says, I can go out and, you know, I can go out into the woods and survive. Doesn't mean it'll be great. Doesn't mean there aren't a lot of challenges. Doesn't mean that, you know, there won't be a lot of issues <laughs> potentially. But a dangerous man and how he thinks, he's always in the back of his head, he goes, I'm going to win. I'm going to survive. You can't take away my life force. That's, I feel like, a, a baseline uh, for how a dangerous Absolutely. man thinks. Um, and then second is, how does a dangerous man think? 
dangerous man is always considering the actions and reactions of the of the people around around him and doesn't always mean that he's being sinister about it but he's conscious of it and he's aware of it right um you know take the you know we can switch uh, switch characters a little bit right but jason Bourne's ability to spot when someone's about to make a move for him right that's because he's a dangerous man and he's thinking and he's watching actions and reactions. He's noticing when something changes, he's noticing when something's off. Right. Which means mentally he is half a step ahead of the people trying to get him or the thing that's trying to get him. And because typically when people are about to take an action or about to come after you, they haven't thought about how you're going to react. Right. Right. They, and they're assuming that you're blind to what's about to take place. Dangerous man has that half step. And then there's another element to it even more granular, which is a dangerous man goes, I don't know how they're going to act or react, but I know that I'm going to do something if and or when they do. Right. Mm -hmm. And even having that, it's not as if he's, you know, you've planned every move or anything along those lines. It's having that mentality of I'm going to, I'm going to act, I'm going to respond. And that is something that people are not, you know, most people are not normally processing and not, it's not how they're thinking. So those are probably the two main uh, things that come to my mind um, when I think about it. Um, and I, I think to a certain extent, being dangerous is a mentality. It's not just a capacity um, because I think you can be the strongest, most ripped, whatever dude in the world. But if you're not mentally sharpened in that way, mentally dangerous, then it, that's irrelevant. So there's this great clip on uh, YouTube. You can find it. Uh, if you just Google Joe Rogan stare down or something like that, best stare down. I saw that clip literally yesterday or whatever. Okay. Nice. That's such a cool clip. Yeah. Yeah. So the setup is it's Joe Rogan's talking about the greatest stare, stare down in MMA history from his perspective. Again, he's an expert in uh, MMA. And it's between one guy, I, I, I will forget the names um, or forget the first name, but one guy who's an MMA pro, badass mofo to quote Joe, right? This guy does not lose stare downs. He beats the crap out of people. He is a dangerous man. And then the guy he's facing off of in the octagon is, I want to say Alexander Krakow or something like that, or Krenko. Mm-hmm who was the, a, uh, a leader of a counterterrorism unit in Croatia. And his facial expression, his eyes, his mentality is comprised of, you know, his experience of probably being a guy who's literally killed a man with a knife compared to this professional fighter who is a dangerous man um, who basically just beat people up in the ring. And it is a, you know, it is a distinct difference between when you look at those two men, you know, one of whom is, you know, in the 99th percentile, you know, 99.9 percent and percentile of being dangerous. And this guy, Kranko, is even more dangerous. And so anyway, it's a great clip. 
and it's it's pretty cool. But I think it speaks to both of them and their mentality. And then it's apparently, according to Joe Rogan, it's the first stare down that uh, the MMA normal MMA guy ever lost. Um, and I think he lost the fight. Um, yeah, and you can totally tell the difference, like between the two different stairs. Like you see it in the other in Alexander's eyes. Like it, it's in Alexander's is just distinction. steady. He's tra- not tracking moving. his eyes. He's not moving. His eyes are just watching the movements yeah. of the other guy who's kind of bouncing around a little bit. That's it. And it's and like I, a, it's like watching. It's like a if a concrete wall was watching a you know a deer try and smash into it that's kind of the vibe that you get (laughs) yeah and i would say that well i don't know for sure obviously i think well maybe we can even go into this a little bit but uh first of all i like what you said what you first said about a man being in a situation where he's losing his car or his ability to or food or water, et cetera. Right. And I, I really like that analogy and it's sort of whatever, no matter what you take away from me or what you do to me, I'm always going to win up here. Yeah. And that's the mentality. And I don't know between that stare down, right. I don't know if his experience, I'm sure his, his actual, (laughs) his actual, like, I've killed real men, right? Experience gave him an edge or if it was a mentality difference between the two and the other guy just had the wrong mentality, but he actually could have, he actually could have overcome if he had had the proper mental state um, yeah. or, or no, that's mental, a good point. mental framing. So I, I don't know if, if inher- I mean, I'm sure inherently that him being an actual war gave him an edge, right? But I do wonder if the other guy, I don't know his name, if he had had the correct mindset going in, knowing his opponent a little bit better, if he would have been able to best him in that match, whether yeah. in the stare down or in the actual physical fight. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a, a great point. Um, and I like to think that he could have, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, we all have limitations, right? And yeah. That's definitely a factor. And two, so two thoughts. One is uh, just to add an asterisk onto the talk about dangerous man and, you know, losing food and water, or, you know, his car or whatever it is. It's, it's not just about saying, I'm going to, you know, you can't beat me up here. It's about most people, to, to flip it on its side, most people, if they were placed in those circumstances, are scared. That is their response is to be scared. Right. And a dangerous man is not scared. Now he might be trepidatious. He might be wary. He might be careful. That's different than being just scared people. And, you know, just watch any of your favorite, you know, movies, right. With, with where anything happens, right. The people that are scared are the people who die, right. Because they don't act appropriately. They don't respond appropriately. It's the people who are, who, you know, might be facing their fears. Right. But, they're not acting out of fear. That's not their baseline. And so if you ask me, and I'm not like the greatest, you know, mental tough person in the world or anything along those lines, right? But if you ask me, and I have experience that is probably helpful, right? But if you ask me, the world collapsed and you had to survive in the woods, like, you know, would you be okay? My answer is yes, right? 
Most yeah. people go, I have no idea. I don't know. Right. But your answer has to be yes. It has to be yes. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, again, it doesn't mean that every, you know, sunshine and roses, but that has to be your baseline. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, like we're talking about all this sort of stuff, right? Um, as if it's, you know, we're mental, and this is true for all of our conversations, right? There's mental framing and mental perspective and mental processes and, you know, uh, what are the mathematics of probabilities and execution and like all these really ta- almost tactile elements of life. And the fact is none of us are robots, right? And so when, when we're doing this, we're helping our overall attitude, uh, you know, move forward, hopefully, and strengthen and get better and mature. But it's not as everyone's going to have their own take on what it means to live a positive life. And there's a lot of life that's just comprised of existing to a certain extent. And so I don't want to, you know, I think it's important to recognize that it's not as if yesterday I didn't have, I don't know, probably four or five different severe moments of, you know, my heart shaking. Right. Um, Like that is, that's part of it. And that's also okay. So don't just be like, well, I'm not the sort of person that, has, uh, you know, that thinks super tactically and, or even tactile about these sorts of, you know, robotic, you know, military jargon or anything along those lines. It's like, no, this is a fun conversation. These are interesting conversations and interesting topics, at least to us. And that's part of, you know, that's why it takes place, but it's not the same as, um, or it's not the totality of reality. So I, I wanted to throw that out there. Um, all right. Oh, so I was thinking about hate and it's pretty great. Yeah. And how much I hate. Uh, but what I wrote down is hate is taught. Oh, I was watching a reaction. That's what I was got it. I got it from. I might need to start writing down where I'm getting some of these ideas from. Normally I remember, but, um, it was, I was watching a reaction to American History X, which is a very strong movie about racism and not just racism, but hate really, and cross race, racism between white swords, blacks, black swords, whites, et cetera. Um, and I haven't actually watched the whole movie just because it just wasn't really on my radar, but I saw a reaction to it and I've seen a couple now. Um, and there one of the things that one of the reactors commented on is that, and that I've seen in comments and you know, just generally, is that hate is something that is taught. And I think that that's true in a lot of ways. Um, hate can totally be taught. Your dad hates you know, whites or blacks. He passes that on to you. You end up, you, know, you get inculcated into that spirit and that attitude. And before you know it, his kid is hating in the same way that his dad hated. And it's exacerbated by a thousand things, right? But it, so it can absolutely be taught. Um, but the second half of that, what I wrote down was, is I, it can also be chosen. And alongside with that, it can, you can also choose not to hate. Um, and so I think that I was just thinking about that and, and processing and considering how you know many people in this country and around the world who you know are not currently listening to this podcast but might someday and they might have elements in their life that of things that they hate 
or feel very viscerally about, whether it's about someone, whether it's about a race, whether it's about a religion, whether it's about a uh, political choice or issue or whatever. And I don't think that hate is the answer. I don't think a dangerous man operates in hate, (laughs) for instance, um, or a good dangerous man. And I think that I just, I guess I just brought it up because I wanted to encourage anyone who might have elements of that in their life um, and encourage them to, to know that regardless of how they were taught, regardless of their background, uh, regardless of their circumstances, uh, you don't have to choose hate. And in fact, you can choose, you know, it doesn't mean you have to choose love in the opposite sense, because I know that can be very difficult, but you don't have to operate and exist in hate. It's so destructive. It, 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 it eats away at your soul. It eats away at the souls of the people around you. And it's a, uh, I mean, it's just in and of itself, it's a horrific thing. So, and just because someone hates you uh, is not, I would posit that that is not license to uh, hate them back or reciprocate back, which there's a difference between defending yourself and protecting yourself and acting in hate um, or responding in hate. And so that's more of a monologue thing, unless I mean, if you have any thoughts or anything, but that was just something that struck me and that I wanted to express. Yeah, I do think that hate can be taught, but I think, more than I think first it's also just an inherent human vice I don't Mm. think it has to be taught Uh, I think it can be learned (laughs) and I think it's just a natural inherent part of being a biological human more more so than it's taught and certainly circumstantially yes it is taught and hating Mm. if you hate you're giving power to the thing or person that you are hating you're letting and have power over you. And that is, will not allow you to effectively deal with said situation or said person. Yeah. Um, well, when you're giving power, when, when you hate, you are choosing to, to say, to exist in a way that hate define that this hate defines who you are. And if you want to be, why would you want to be someone defined by hate? Um, even if you've seen, witnessed, or family, et cetera, has been party to or victim of, um, of evil, uh, hate is, you know, it's having it define your life is something that will, that will just eat away at you, um, as, it, as we have a bajillion cases of evidence for but I also like your uh, identification of the fact that it's um, it is an innate human emotion to feel in our humanity. Um, that's definitely a, uh, an important distinction because the, the assumption then becomes, Oh, well, if we just all loved each other, then everything would be great. And it's like, and you know, history to date uh, up until, you know, the second that I'm speaking, this, you know, <laughs> has not reflected that as a reality or as at least a, um, a possible reality. And so, uh, so that's a, you can't, you can't slough off responsibility and, or enact or act in a way that assumes 
uh, that hate will not be a function of existence because that doesn't allow you to really solve for it or really deal with it. I don't think. I think that's, that's a a good way to think about it. And um, yeah, I, I think that, well, I think that acting, well, first of all, I think you can hate things that are evil or just evil in general. Right. I don't think that's, that's not a vice, right. I hate evil and that's not, that's not a bad thing. I don't believe. I think, though, if it's not outside of that context, though, if you are acting, if your actions are a consequence of your hate, then that's easily a form of vengeance. And vengeance and justice obviously aren't the same thing. And you certainly will not get any joy or fulfillment out of acting on your vengeance. Unless you're John Wick, no, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, that was justice. So, yeah, it was justice. Yeah, <laughs> you have to be careful with uh, its limitations. But yes, <laughs> yeah, it's better to be the man capable of being John Wick than it is to be John Wick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. In relation to that, I came across this, it's not particularly, I don't think it's particularly well-written, but it's kind of a, I don't know, a poem of sorts. And it's a little dark. Um, and where did I save it? Um, but I thought it was kind of an interesting, I think it's an interesting expose on how I, I think a lot of people are probably feeling in you know our country, maybe the world. I don't know. Um, and I, I think it's written. It's anonymous. Um, I think it was you know it's written from a younger male's perspective. Um, and I thought I would read it because I thought it was interesting. And you can tell me what you think. Um, <laughs> I haven't done. We haven't done something like this before. So, all right. Here, uh, here goes. Again, I, it doesn't seem like it's particularly well-written, but I thought some of the elements to it um, maybe reflected what a lot of people are feeling in kind of the current circumstances of lots of political violence, lots of emotional um, distress, uh, intellectual distress, philosophical distress, et cetera. All right. Make sure my cigar doesn't go here. There we go. Uh, all right. Uh, again, it doesn't have a title or anything, and uh, it was written by Anonymous. Uh, I was a boy once and young. I read of chivalry and crafted brotherhood, uh, bulwarking right against wrong. History and noblesse held beauty, crafting dreams of influence and impact, each moment of life reflecting a journey. But that life darkens. Loss and chaos seek to master. My grip cracks and softens. Slowly, my vision becomes impaired. The gray rain curtain descending. Moments reflecting madness and pain. The world reflects drought and flood. All screech and rail against any perceived threat. Grandeur is spat upon. Sense of love and beauty is gone. All hide. They scurry to eviscerate all but themselves. 
blind to know they too are lost and will be gone. All wonder, all are lost. Dark are every man's dreams. They grasp what is futile. We grasp, cling, and claw all the more. But the drought drowns, the floods have no end. Hearts have wavered and fallen. One seeks hope in hovels of sand. Another is lashed to a rock. They scream and cry one to another. You shall not live. You have no voice. O ye who are so foolish. But they are not choked. This dream and journey have no end. There is only the dark. Blackness is all they can see. It is all they have chosen. Vision is not grounded in that which is. Hope is kindled by what is ahead. But what is ahead cannot be seen for the impairment of vision. So they cry out more. But they do not cry out, but they do not cry for love or beauty. Rather, hate and aggression is their only fuel. All sides, all choose sides, and all stand alone. My vision slips and fades. The gray rain curtain thickens. I am no longer young. It is not of me to love whatever this is. No spirit will match such fervor. Death only awaits. To stories I must return and recall the years of the right hand. Death only awaits. Ah, but there is hope. That was kind of interesting. <laughs> um, all does who it, wonder are not lost. All wonder, all are lost. <laughs> no, I'm quoting Gandalf, though. Uh, yes. Well, you're qu- quoting the 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 um, prophecy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of things in there that uh, hearkened to uh, various things. I assume this dude is uh, watched or whatever. But how did uh, how did it strike you? Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe I need to read it through again to really get a grasp on what exactly he's getting at. Uh, yeah, I don't really like the progression. You know, he seemed to have a very motivated explanation of hopelessness. And then he just ends it by saying there is hope without, <laughs> without. Describing well, he's saying there's hope in hope. death. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, and I don't, what he said about choosing sides, but you're still alone. That's only true. If you don't believe that there's right and wrong. <laughs> uh-huh. So it struck me as a very subjective, moralistic way of viewing things. Mm-hmm. gotcha yeah I wondered if that might be to a certain extent your take on it um, because I think because you tend to have a more at least currently um, we're in different posi- different. I don't know if it's phases of life or personality whatever but you tend to be a little bit more black and white than I am and so when I was when I read it um I was thinking of, or what came to mind was the, the sense that I assume, you know, the, the dude's feeling a sense of looking out into the, into their Twitter, their Instagram, their Facebook, right? Whatever Snapchat, whatever their YouTube, whatever their outlet is. And all they're seeing is, 
you know, not all, but you know, a lot of what they're seeing is people on this side of an issue screaming at people on that side of an issue. And then people on this side of the issue screaming at that side of the people, you know, people on the other side of the issue, even if the issue in and of itself, like take like a, you know, obviously Roe v. Wade was overturned this past week. And there's a, you know, uh, there's so much engagement on the topic. Right. And the people over here are screaming at the, you know, people pro-choice, right. Pro-choice versus pro-life, right. Black and white. Right. And then you have, but you still have the people that are pro, you know, you have the people that are pro-choice screaming and railing and, you know, uh, even vandalizing and um, attacking pregnancy care centers and whatever. Right. And then you've got the people who are pro-life and they're, oh, those people are idiots and they're just trying to kill babies and they're just crazy and they're insane and they're, you know, they're just evil people. And, you know, it's perfectly possible that 50% of the people on pro-choice, pro-choice element of what's going on relative to Roe v. Wade um, just don't have facts, right? It doesn't, like, there's a, I think it was live action, put out a list of like, hey, like, this thing on abortion doesn't affect um, certain types of pregnancies where the child's going to die. Like, there's some specific things that are being brought up as, you know, oh my gosh, you know, the mother's at risk because she can't get an abortion now. It's like, no, that doesn't, it doesn't affect the ruling. The ruling doesn't affect that. Um, you know, and there was a list of things like that, right? So it might just be there's an element of uneducation, right? But then there's the side of that are sure. the truth of righteousness, supposedly, right? And they're sitting there and they're acting in the same way. And so I think that I assume that the you know this dude or whatever um, it is is sitting there seeing all of that and going, you know, you guys are all yelling at each other, but you also are, you know you stand alone or I stand alone from you. And even, even within your own little groups and subsets of this black and white issue, um, and just using this as an example, um, you know, this black and white issue, you're sitting there and you know, you're act, even if you're right about the pro-life concept, you're then railing and acting in you know, horrific ways towards the people, right? You're going mm-hmm. after, you know, you're going to making a thousand nasty comments on so-and-so's, you know, uh, TikTok or whatever it is, instead of just, you know, whatever it is. So, and I'm not trying to get into the whole discussion of, you know, what constitutes um, positive activism or anything along those lines. It's not really the point, um, or at least not of this. Um, and so I think that there was a little bit more, I didn't take it quite as black and white when I read it as I thought you might. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I look at something like that. And I think and I don't think it's sorry. I, think, I, I don't think it's supposed to be a sorry. I, I don't think it's supposed to be a. It just doesn't strike me as a an expose on all these people doing everything wrong. As much as it's a reflection of how this person is feeling internally, as they look right. at the world and they see the chaos and the insanity and the foolishness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Like, how can you live a happy, joyful, peaceful life when you're constantly inundated or interacting with or being set upon by this, you know, the insanity? Sorry, back to you. No, go ahead. Or no, you won't finish, whatever. <laughs> um, right. Well, I, I look at something like that and I would be more than willing to validate that feeling if they are, if they do, if they have an opinion, because 
it's easy not to have an opinion and to look at an issue, whatever the issue may be, whatever group is on which side, and to and I hear you know I hear this more and more as our political and cultural climate seem to be imploding on itself, right? Of people just I hear this all the time where it's like, well, I don't you know I'm right down the middle or you know I'm not on anyone's side, right? You know I'm I'm just centered that's just to me that feels like an easy way out because instead of actually thinking an issue through and having an opinion yourself you are just recognizing the futility of uh, of people's uh, ignorance and or lack of education and so you have to I think you have to have one with the other so if you are going to write something like that in order for that opinion, that feeling to be validated, then I expect you to be grounded in a reality and in a truth on whatever the issue may be. Um, otherwise, what are you doing than just, than just exclaiming that some people are dumb and they say dumb things and they do dumb things and then some people are hypocrites, right? Um, and it's completely fine to have an opinion like that and to recognize that people are hypocrites and people act foolishly and they are ignorant and they very often are not well-educated. Um, but are you one of those people, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, so in a way it's, in, in a way it's, uh, you know, I, I don't, and I'm not gonna just automatically validate someone in that feeling if they are not going to give me some sort of uh if, if they're not going to provide a truth that they're grounded in mm -hmm. um, otherwise yeah. they're just floating in some sort of moral relativity that none of us can reach because they refuse to because <laughs> they're scared or refuse to have an opinion themselves that's sort of how i look at that and when i hear someone say something like that i'm like well that's easy to say. That's the easiest way out. It's, it's easy. It's non-confrontational. You don't have to think about things. And maybe this person is very smart, very educated, has well-informed opinions about things, right? Um, but I don't, I don't look at something like that and think of it as a very well-expressed feeling or thought, maybe. Well, if you're thinking about it relative to a specific subject or a specific or specific content, then sure. But if you're thinking about it as an expression of how it's talking about how this person is feeling in general, or you know, it seems like talking about how this person feels in general when they look at the world around them or around us. And so it's more about like that's the thing it's addressing. And so it either is or isn't a good from your to to to, to use your terminology, right? A good expose on that feeling as he looks at the world, not necessarily, you know, his upsetness with a specific issue. Um, it's more his right. like looking but at that, the 300 issues and going, this is all, how, how are you, you know, what am I supposed to do? You know, I might, even if I have opinions, it's just, I look at the, I look out at the world and I just see, you know, dark or, you know, whatever he says. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, maybe it's a call or an expression, a question of, you know, uh, let me see here what I'm trying to say. 
I just think it's a little bit too universalistic. I feel like it's, you're just applying it to these. Yeah, I just think it's too universal because I happen to be on certain sides of issues and opinions and things, right? Um, um, I like to think that I, generally speaking, make an effort not to be a hypocrite. Um, not that I'm the best example of that, but um, so what is, what are you solving by expressing that feeling? Like you're not solving anything. And the fact of the matter is there is right and wrong. There is the truth. And frankly, I don't think it's very hard to get to the truth. So what are you, what is productive about expressing your, uh, your feeling of wandering and there being no right and wrong? Yeah. So like the, the, the message that I get is, I don't know, maybe I'm not making sense, but I, I don't see how that's productive. And I don't under, I don't see how, how are you being fruitful or productive by just recognizing that, <laughs> that, uh, you know, people aren't good. <laughs> well, I think you have to take that and try to specifically apply it. Right. If you're imagining this, however old you know, or however young uh, dude um, sitting down and having these emotions, putting pen to paper um, and which can be a form of processing. Right. So like, you know, just if you're just talking about the efficacy, you could just put in that point. Right. You know, yeah, but there's uh, a difference between a form of processing and then posting it to social media. Well, who knows? Who knows? Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I know someone knows how it got out into the ether, you know, whatever. Um, but if you were going to sit in front of him, right, what is it that you would say to him as opposed to just saying, hey, like this is, you know, you're feeling you're, you're feeling lost. And that's just, you know, why are you feeling lost? Like, it's like you're telling a lost person or someone who's feeling a sense of loss being lost and telling them, well, there is right and wrong. So, you know stop being lost. It's like, well, that's not a particularly, you know. Right. And I wouldn't do that. I would try to, if you, if that said person was sitting across from me, I would try to find out where those feelings stemming from. Um, yeah. And odds are they are stemming from a specific situation and a specific situation. Um, yeah. So I think what I would say is taking what the, 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 the spirit of what you were expressing and like tweaking it a little bit to say to the people that are, that would relate to that or that do relate to it or the person that wrote it um, himself, right. Is saying, Hey, I understand feeling lost, right. It's okay to feel lost. We all feel lost at some point in our lives, maybe multiple points in our lives, raise his hand. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and the, you know, first take comfort in the fact that there are other young men, women, older men, women, et cetera, right. Who feel the same way that you do, who are trying to live their lives in an upright, righteous way, right. In accordance with, you know, capital R right <laughs> uh, perspective, uh, you know, obviously you start mm -hmm. getting into philosophy and religion, right. But there are people that are trying to live in accordance with those principles and that do live in accord, not just try do live in accordance with those principles. 
and they care about where you're at. They care about your spirit and take comfort in the fact that there is a, there is a, uh, a set of humanity out there that is living righteously. Um, maybe not perfectly, but is living righteously. Right. And that there is a way to find joy and to find peace and to find perspective, um, in the navigation of life. Right. Um, you know, I think to a certain extent, I actually take this, what he wrote, and I actually would compare it to like, um, um, to what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, right. Which is vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Right. And he goes through multiple, I mean, he, you know, forget like a, you know, a few sentence poem or whatever, right. (laughs) Chapter after chapter, after chapter saying everything is vanity. Um, and to a certain extent, he's kind of right. Um, and then there's another element to it, which is, um, you know, you're, you're alive for a reason, you're here for a reason, and maybe try not to find joy and peace in the external things or in the big picture or in that vision, maybe try and find peace in taking a walk outside, finding a job that's maybe a little more fulfilling or peaceful. Um, right. It's okay to take that step back. At least I think it is. Um, and you know, it's okay to inculcate a tighter community, um, than just one that's constantly beset by the waves, um, and the flood and the desert. So I think that's like what I would say, but. Sure. Yeah. And I've got to take off here soon, but so maybe we can wrap it up after this, but, uh, I guess the distinction that I was trying to get to not having given it given it any previous thought was is that his answer or is it a cry for help because if it's a cry for help then you have my empathy you have my compassion um right but if your answer is just to remove yourself from world problems world if if your answer is to remove yourself from a, if your worldview is that there's no right worldview or there's no correct worldview mm-hmm. right which when i listen to something written like that that's what i'm hearing mm-hmm. that may not be correct right and that's i think that's where we're drawing i think that's where you you know you and i would see it differently is i think you hear that and you hear a cry for help versus i listen to that and like Oh, this is your answer to life is that mm-hmm. there's no right and wrong. There's no worldview. Everyone is right in their own opinion. And we just need to stop yelling at each other, which that's not true. <laughs> I, I mean, not saying yelling at each other is the solution, right? But um, so yeah, I, I would I would completely agree with you, right? So if his answer is no, we are lost and we're just always gonna be wandering, um, and I'm just gonna remove myself, and the solution is just to remove yourself from the situation, from the problem, whatever it is, and not to, not to take a side, not to get involved at all, um, then I have a huge problem with it. But if it's a cry for help, then let's have a thoughtful, compassionate, empathetic conversation um, about where you're at in life and where your mental frame, where your mental frames are, right? Yeah. Yep. No, oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, you got a jet now? Um, five-ish minutes. All right. Well, we'll, we can wrap it up now. Um, I only have one little thing we can, we can dive into it next week because it's not a uh, time sensitive. So 
Cool. Well, that was a good, uh, that was a good episode. We chatted the whole time versus just a uh, kind of chit chat. It was, we got into some stuff. So that was fun. Uh, all right. Well, we're wrapping up uh, the live stream here again. If you guys want to join us, we go live between seven and seven thirty. The goal is to tackle seven as consistently uh, Eastern uh, tackle seven as consistently as possible live on YouTube, on the YouTube channel. We're up to seven fat subscribers. Well, you know, the number seven is the number of completions. So we've made it. Uh, but uh, we're, uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple podcasts and, and YouTube uh, hit the thumbs up, leave a comment, feel free to DM me, whatever you want to do. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep, uh, we'll keep tackling, tackling life uh, as it, as it comes at us. And not next week, but the following week, I should be recording from a whole new location. So we'll have to, we'll have to figure out how, uh, how that goes. <laughs> but anyway, take care. We, we do also, I wanted to say, we really do appreciate anyone and everyone that listens to this podcast. It's been kind of, it's one of my favorite things to do every week now is record this podcast and be consistent with it. But it is really awesome to have people that, uh, that tune in to listen. It means a ton to us. And over time, as our lives get busy, hopefully as this podcast grows, it, you guys are the ones that are going to be able to that, that enable us to continue to do it versus saying, well, hey, maybe we need to cut this to a 30-minute one-on-one chat each week because we don't have the time. But if we've got you know, people that are listening and tuning in and, uh, and caring about it, then that's something we want to invest in. So, And we love being able to do this. And anytime you guys want to join us or want us to tackle something, uh, the you know, DMs and comments, et cetera, are open. So. We, uh, we care about you all. We love you all. And uh, we hope that, uh, that you find a little peace, happiness, and uh, learn a little bit more about being dangerous. All right. Take care. Have a good, have a good rest of your uh, day or evening, whenever you're listening to it.